Welcome to the Bifocal Podcast with John White and Jason Himmelstein, where we talk about business intelligence and the Microsoft stack with news, interviews, and expert opinions from around the space. This is take two of episode 172, because I screwed up take one, recorded on December 14th, 2020, where John and Jason talk with Tessa and Jay from the Power BI product team about some new announcements in this month's release of Power BI Desktop. Hello again, Jason. How are you? Well, I'm a little bit red in the face right now, John, but other than that, I'm doing great, man. Red in the face? What, what could possibly make you red in the face? It's it's kind of cool outside. You know, we are, well, it is here in San Antonio, surprisingly, but we're going to skip the weather report for today. Yes. This is episode 172, and for the yep. first time ever in doing 172 podcasts, I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> well, we didn't get too far into it. Oh, no, only like two thirds of the way. And our guests are sitting here having we're having a great conversation. So yeah, we're idiots. the cool thing <laughs> about you. this is that John made enough mistakes yeah, in the first yeah. version of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I made none, by the way, just in <laughs> case course. anybody's wondering that we get well, to go back and do it over. Do some. <laughs> yeah, it's correct. I did not actually start the record, so I couldn't have made any mistakes. It was all perfect. But with all of that said, we well, today is uh, is an auspicious day. We have some awesome yep. guests who would be making their debut on the podcast, except for the fact they've already done it once. So this is sort of like old home, except yep. nobody's ever going to hear the lost episode. <laughs> That's right. We've only had one other lost episode, and it was because somebody made us pull it. Thank you, Chris Finland. And but you know, it's true. So, <laughs> let's dive right in because we unfortunately have limited time with these awesome people at this point, and we really want to get to spend some time with them. So Tessa and Jay, if you would not mind, introduce yourself to our audience and let's have a conversation. Yeah, of course. So thank you again for having us here. <laughs> My name is Tessa Her, and I'm on the Power BI Creators team. I'm a program manager and have been on the team for about two and a half years now. And I look after um, data modeling experiences, in particular, those usability experiences and accessibility. Very cool. And Jay? I'm uh, Jeroen, or Jay for non-Dutch speaking people, which is the vast majority of the world. I joined the Power BI team in April. In, in the middle of the pandemic, so I've never seen Tessa in person. For example, I'm still looking forward to whenever we get back to the office to, to meet her. We've been working together for almost a year. It's really weird. Anyway, so I joined in April. I'm on the same team as Tessa, and I look after the core modeling experiences and DAX. So anything related to DAX being hard to use, that finds its way to me. Very and cool. you take care of the, the monthly blog post announcing all of the uh, new features in not only desktop now, but the service, et cetera, that, you know, Jason yep. was very skeptical about. Yeah, I do have yeah. to do that. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I did have to do my mea culpa after, uh, you know, my apology after doing, uh, you know, some, some disservice on the original call that we had when Jay first told us all about it. I was very skeptical about it. And I I love the new model. It's been fantastic. So thank you. And also for getting rid of the animated GIFs, that's been uh, (laughs) made made it so much more readable for me. I really appreciate it. But I have to tell you, I've never met any of my coworkers either. I started my job back in March. And the one thing I'm always wondering, how tall are all of these people? Because everybody's the same height. (laughs) On uh, on video. So, you know, I think you're going to have a lot of fun and be surprised. Will's only like 4'11". 
Yeah, I've met him one or twice, once or twice now. So we live in the same town, right? So, no, you know. So, you know, that's not a true statement. I'm just poking okay. fun. But that's Amanda. <laughs> we did a video uh, episode with Amanda way back when, and it really was two talls and a short. But let's dive right in because we've got some really great stuff to talk about. You know, today specifically, we invited the two of you here because this is going live alongside or, you know, similar time frame to when you all are announcing this month's desktop drop and service updates and all of those great things. And there's a feature in here that John has been salivating over for two years and that we've been talking about for a while because... It was originally supposed to come out in the last uh, iteration, and then it got pushed from uh, 2020 into the 2021 timeframe. And now we, we're actually getting our hands on it here in the December updates. And that is the uh, the composite models or composite models, right? New that, that's a model. Yeah, the, the new version. So what can you tell us about this awesome new feature? Composite models. <laughs> Jay and I were kind of looking at each other and saying, like, where do we begin? I just let you have this one. <laughs> <laughs> so composite models, as you mentioned, that's, I guess, the name or how we refer to the feature that currently exists in Power BI. So combining data from um, DQ sources or direct query sources and import sources. But the way that you can think about this new feature, and we've been referring to it as direct query over Power BI data sets and Azure analysis services. It's basically... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. So say that three times fast and uh, maybe we can give you a prize. <laughs> I, I bet Jay could do it in Dutch. We wouldn't know the difference, but... I could, but uh, Dutch is, you know, we use a lot of English words, so it's probably going to be very close. <laughs> but, it, but it makes it good for a good interview question, though. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry, Tess. <laughs> no worries. So, yeah, this feature is essentially an extension of what people know as composite models today. So beyond using direct query and import sources, now you can use Power BI datasets and Azure Analysis Services as data sources as well. And in your previous experience with those two particular datasets, you could only live connect to them. And that means that you weren't able to personalize that particular model, like changing the properties on top of it. Or, and you weren't able to add more data that you have. So we've heard from a lot of you guys and a lot of our users that being able to personalize their models or add something like an Excel spreadsheet that they might have to the single source of data truth within their organization is something that's really helpful to them. And, you know, as John has mentioned or has expressed, is something that's been highly requested. And so we're really excited to finally get to this point. I think Tessa hits on a very important point here that, that you know, we need to make sure everybody understands is that the idea here is to bridge the gap, or as uh, Alberto Ferrari said, to marry enterprise and self-service BI, right? So, so this feature is really built to bridge that gap, to mm. allow people to take that central, what we call a central semantic model, which we think is normally done by IT or, or at least organized and developed and, and published by some kind of central BI department and take that and then build on top of that. So not see it as, as the end result, but rather as a foundation for the rest of the building, right? So we will now enable you to build on top of that while still keeping that solid, strong foundation of that central model. I think that's the core 
of this feature and the value prop it, it provides. I'll tell you actually why I've been so excited about this product because my company has a line of products called Tigraph and they're an analytics for SharePoint, OneDrive, Teams, right? So we have all a bunch of these products and they all have clearly well built out, I would say myself, <laughs> models behind them. And it's a massive amount of data. These are very large data models deployed at large customers. And we always have had the idea of, of the enterprise version that kind of overrides all of them. We can't have a, we've not been able to have a single model that could accommodate all of that very well. Well, this is going to give me the ability to now layer on top of that, that exact thing without having to sacrifice the ability to say slice across all of those models. So that's a, it's a slightly different use case than, than what you're talking about. It's a big deal. And also from a user customization standpoint for our product, they can layer on top of these data models and take advantage of it that way. So that's, you know, it's a big double hit. So thanks. <laughs> just thanks. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> I want to round back for just a second because, uh, you know, Tessa mentioned it. There's a name change here. And it's important yeah. for people to understand that the thing that we've been talking about and mentioning under one name is now something completely different, which personally I'm, I like a lot because as I mentioned before, when we first recorded this, I feel like it's very on the nose, which is a great thing because it makes it highly searchable. That for me is really important, especially as I'm helping customers and helping with you know other users as we're building these things out. When you start to look for information about something specific, when you go looking for composite models and it's an overloaded term, it gets hard. But we really are, want to focus on this and you know, direct query over Power BI data sets and, and, and analysis services. Did I get the name right? Azure First analysis services. Azure analysis services. It is a lot more findable. So that's yeah. going to make things a lot easier for people as they start to adopt this and start to use it. But also, yeah. we're building a, a we're able to take that which is in a Power BI model today, right, in the data set, and bring it in and now layer on additional things. And you, Tessa, you'd mentioned Excel, but it can be more than Excel, right? It, it, we can do that with an you know an Azure SQL database or pretty much yeah. anything in the ecosystem that we can pull out in Power BI Desktop. Be able to work with this now. Yeah. The, the question much. I have is, I, I'm sure there are always going to be things that there are limitations and there will be documentation. I, you're good at that, right, Jay? You put out <laughs> the post and everything. You, you guys do a good job of letting us know where some of the limitations are. All of that will go alongside of, of, the, uh, of all of this information. And, you know, usually it's, it's something you can find in, uh, what is that? The docs.microsoft.com, I believe, is where, is where things are stored these days. So people, people can go and find that information. But as a generalization statement, is this more of a Power BI desktop thing? Or is this something that you would find in the service as people are building today? I think it's actually maybe 50-50 because, I mean, yes, the experience starts in desktop, right? The magic is really you, you connect to a Power BI dataset or to an Azure Analysis Services environment, and suddenly you notice that this Get Data button in Power BI Desktop is still enabled. You're like, huh? Why? Right? Normally, that's not there, right? It's disabled because I wasn't able to do anything. And now you can go in and then upgrade your connection, which is by default still a live connection without a okay. local model, now to a direct query connection, which has a local model, which allows us to give you the power to do the extensibility to personalize, personalize the data set, to add more data to it. So that experience is really there in desktop where it will see that button and you click on it hoping that something happens and then suddenly something happens. So that's awesome. However, if we left it at that, I think the feature would still be limited in its usage, right? Because 
what do you do? Well, if you can't publish it anywhere, how can anybody benefit from that? So really the, the second part here is that you're able to take what you just built and extend, let's say you took that Azure Nether Service environment, added that data from Azure SQL, right? And then for good measure, added an Excel sheet to it because it's not limited to two sources. You can keep building. So you built this great model and now you publish it to Power BI service and then somebody else can consume it. And guess what? They can actually take that model that you created and build their own extension or their own personalization on top of it, right? So let's say I, I created something that based on what the central IT department gave me in my semantic model, I shared it with Tessa and then Tessa can say, oh, you know, that's nice, but I need something else or something is really missing or that calculation is missing. And I'm not going back to that guy to ask him to add it. No, I'll just add it myself. And she can do that. Desktop and servers actually work to work together where you, you, you have the creator experience in desktop, but we don't stop there. You, you publish it back to the service and then somebody else can take it and build on top of that. Are you drowning in spreadsheets? Are you gasping for a better reporting solution? Let Marquee Insights throw you a lifeline. They can help you chart a course to success with Power BI, then get underway quickly with one of their quick start solutions while learning the ropes from their experienced staff. If you're ready for reporting bliss, go to marqueeinsights.com and click the Get Started button and learn how they can help you make better, faster decisions with smarter data. So I got two questions. To start with, you mentioned Live Connect. And that's the experience today. And I think you've actually answered the first part of it. So the live connect is when we take Power BI desktop, or in fact, in the service, we create a new report and we connect to an already deployed data set, right? And that's data set sits there. Now we have this, well, to start with, I, we should probably articulate, what's the difference? When, as soon as I, you, you mentioned that there's that get data button, it's already there, and then I can upgrade. What am I, what's happening when I, when I click that button? What mechanically is going on? Wait, so in this case, what's happening, as you mentioned with Live Connect, you are querying a remote source, right? And there is no data set or local model that's being associated with the report that you're building necessarily. But when you go through and add more data or decide to upgrade and create a local model, that in fact is then created. And when you publish your report to the service, then you have a new data set that uh, is added to the service as well. Will Live Connect models move forward or will, it, will, will we all, will we eventually get to a point where we're only doing direct, direct query against uh, data sets and Azure Analysis Services? That, that's an interesting question. And I feel like we've gotten that from some customers as well. I think the number one concern that I've heard from customers on this is around performance, right? Mm. People want to make sure that, you know, if we do decide to move forward with getting rid of Live Connect, that they'll have the same kind of performance that they're experiencing today. I don't know if Jay has heard otherwise, but my, I don't think we've really finalized or have come to any determination about whether we want to get rid of Live Connect per se. Okay. So I don't think we have. And personally, I feel there's still a, a lot of value in Live Connect, especially for the situations where you really want to 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 get Power BI reduced to just a visualization layer on top of data, right? So if you do it yeah. in a service, for example, or in desktop, if you are in Live Connect, this still makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Let's not forget that Power BI can be very daunting when you start working with it. So maybe still having the Live Connect is a good 
step for like a stepping stone if you're just beginning because hey you're just visualizing some data let's say you've never done that before then this may might make total sense and then yeah. at some point you can as we said as tessa said you upgrade to this local model and then with all the features and you know suddenly dax measures become available and everything and everything you know you can you start building a whole structure that that still makes sense to me so and that's where this local model comes to play because we need we need somewhere in power desktop and in your model to store the changes that you make and the, and the additions that you make right Okay, that makes tons of sense. So I'm going to take it now a step further. So we've got the new model. We got the direct query against Power BI dataset model. It's deployed. It's it's got it's connected to two different data sets, and you've got your local model, and you've built in your own calculated measures, etc. And you've deployed that to the service. Can I now use that and connect it to yet another uh, Power BI desktop? And then how does how does that all, does, does that local model, when it gets deployed, that's really what I'm asking, does that encapsulate those two connected data sets? Or how many layers can we take this? We call it chaining. chaining. Okay. We call it chaining. That's the term we coined for it. The short answer is yes, you can. Uh, the hmm. longer answer is it depends, of course. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the idea is that essentially, you know, Tessa built something and, and I can build on top of what she built and extending her work or chaining from it and then publishing that back. There's all interesting scenarios. For example, let's say Tessa did that and, and, and I built something on top of that. And then at some point she discovers my work and then says, hey, that's interesting and starts connecting to my work from hers. Then we have a, you know, a loop in data sets because one data set is dependent on the other. And well, that's something we don't support, right? So right. That, those are kind of like the, the interesting scenarios that occur. Chaining is currently in the preview limited to what we call three steps or three two hops essentially so three parts of your chain that's a good idea <laughs> yeah it's it's just to keep it in check and we don't really know how far people want to go you can imagine that that's harder for the platform the more layers they are and the the, the more layers you need to go through for your query the, the performance will will degrade right so we're now at three which basically means you know you start from your enterprise semantic model let's say you know, I built something and then Tessa can take my work and that's the end of the chain. So that's free at that point. But it's, um, it's all dependent on customer feedback. Yeah. We I, might I, make that chain a little longer in the future. I would encourage you not to let the chain go too long because I can see a scenario in my job where there's 30 links in the chain and link number 16 gets deleted. Yep. Because somebody leaves the company or and their workspace gets you know, a workspace gets deleted and all of a sudden 17 through 30. I'm imagining they're dead now because they, they, they were linked off of that. So exactly. uh, of yeah, I, I know the impact analysis stuff will help with that. But if you're dealing with deleting of a workspace, is that what what's triggering that? Is there the warnings? Hey, you know, you have this and I don't know who that is. Oh, it turns out it was the CFO of the company. All of a sudden, bad things happen. And you have to call Microsoft to try and get a workspace restored because it was 30 days ago and yep. bad things, bad, bad things. So bad things. Going too yep. long in a chain, I can see being a big problem. But I do love the idea of being able to extend based upon somebody else's extension 
But we've had double hop uh, restrictions in Kerberos. I know Adam Saxton loves Kerberos, and you know, I'm sure that he could give some feedback on that. But uh, <laughs> you know, going beyond two hops is nice. We've always only had two hops, so you know, maybe maybe a third one's good enough. Who knows? Yeah, and, and as I said, we we can extend a little a little bit. I personally don't feel comfortable with a chain length of twenty. Right or or even ten or whatever. Right, so I think yeah, five ish is kind of the area where I think we maybe should be. But let's start with three. Let's see what happens. Let's see what people think. And then there's the other thing that you touched upon is, or at least I think that's what you actually meant as question inside of the question is actually you know is there some way to stop people from chaining or prohibit the chain from growing any longer. Right? And that's also something we're looking into. We call it the discouraged chaining setting. That you can actually go and say, you know what, this should really be treated as the last step in a chain. We shouldn't be continuing from here. This is the end of the, of the line. If you want to, you can still connect to this data source live. You can still report on it, but you cannot chain from this. Yeah, that's actually the discourage composite model. So if yep. you're looking for that, then there's your search term. As Jay mentioned, this is something that we're actively looking for feedback on. We don't expect that we'll end up letting users create these crazy long chains because the other thing that you need to consider within that, and I know a lot of admins are concerned about as well, is the idea of governance and making sure that your workspaces just don't explode with a bunch of data sets that people are creating. It occurs to me a scenario too, like you're talking about when you you build out a model, Tessa builds on top of that model, and you come back and you look at their changes. Maybe you'd want to merge them back into the original model in the first place. That could be an interesting. I haven't heard squat about that, but it just occurs to me that that could be an interesting scenario as well. That could be a very interesting one. But <laughs> that would actually mean taking some kind of a diff between my work and her mm-hmm. work, and we all know that source control on PVX files is. Well, it's, it's not available. Yes, it's challenging. It is in need, is in need of attention. It's in need of it's, it's yeah, that's that's right. So, yes, I would love to do something like that, but I think that's we have cool. to do something about the source control support for PBX files first before we are able to do that. But yes, ideally, well, we don't let me stop. Just take a diff and say, hey, you know, the work that Tessa did, let's just apply it and then get rid of the extra hop in the chain. I mean, That's sure, cool. why not? I mean, the big concern I have uh, personally is going to be, what if somebody decides that they really want to trim down, that they're actively working, and they say, you know what, I'm going to get rid of a third of this uh, data, and somebody else was relying on that data for their changes. So I think there's going to be uh, some interesting scenarios that we're going to run into, and I'll be very interested to hear from the community what people are running into there. I'm excited about this feature. I think it's going to be really oh, yeah. great. And and I'm, I'm curious if there's uh, going to be, and I'm just thinking out loud here, if you have a promoted or a certified data set, is there going to be an option to be able to say, only allow chaining off of a certified or a promote, mm-hmm. you know, type of a data set so that that's something that can be looked at? Just thinking, you know, that would be really useful for companies that want to limit the ability, but also want to give some uh, you know, capabilities around it. Yeah, we've talked about that a little bit. I'd say like when it comes to figuring out permissions and these kinds of settings on who can do what and create composite models, it's a little tricky because we know that everyone's using their workspaces in different ways or have different people they want to allow access to. Um, so this is definitely the kind of feedback that we want to get from the community to understand how users think about it and 
what would make the most sense in terms of um, permissions. But certainly something like adding additional permissions on top of certified data sets um, could be a good way to for an organization to say, hey, this is the uh, semantic model that we want you guys to use. And um, then you guys can have free reign with that. Cool. Well, I know we're running That's what a preview is for. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of the Bifocal Podcast is sponsored by Tigraph, the award-winning reporting and analytics platform for Office 365. Get the full picture of your Office 365 network by using Tigraph. See how customers leverage its actionable insights to better understand their organization's usage, collaboration, and adoption patterns. Try Tigraph today. Sign up for a free trial at tigraph.com. I know we're running up against uh, time here at the top of the hour with uh, with work and all of those things, but wanted to take a couple of uh, last minutes. And, and you know, number one, it's a release time frame. Is there anything else that's in this release that you want to highlight to people that you think that beyond this one feature that we spent a bunch of time talking about? Is there anything else you'd love to for people to really dig into and be excited about? Oh, I think one that people are going to be really excited about is. Another drum roll here then <laughs> is uh, small multiples. Oh, yes. Yeah, Very that's good. a whole other uh, thing to explore. <laughs> can, can you give us a brief description of what small multiples are for those folks who may not be familiar yet? I believe some people refer to it as trellis as well, right? Is that right, Jay? Yeah. It's the idea of replicating visuals um, across multiple categories, right? And previously, there are a lot of performance implications for making something like that manually, where each um, visually created could make the performance of your report not as good. But the idea here is that we give you a native visual to help you uh, build that uh, more easily and also to mitigate some of the performance implications you might have by having it in one visual as opposed to 10 or something like that. So this is a single visual the way that you could have like nine line graphs with the same data behind it and visualize it all in one in one visual. So I'm sure that's going to be well detailed in the blog. People can go take a look at that. Sounds like a real like it's really cool. So. We we can finally stop using PowerView. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That, that that's probably a good idea there, John. <laughs> Silver light for the win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, very you can cool. See the hair color. <laughs> well, not on a podcast, people can't. But for that's those true. They know, can. They I'm can. the bald <laughs> one. John is the one with the silver hair. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. Thanks, Tessa, for that. One last thing that we do like to ask our guests, and I give you a heads up. I was going to ask this for a change. I usually don't think to tell our guests that we're going to ask. Anything over the next six months or a year that you all are excited about? What's what's got you excited to be in your jobs at Microsoft and specifically in Power BI? Wow. Uh, so honestly, I am just very excited about where we're going to take this direct query feature, right? Because we're not done. And there's so many open questions that we haven't got the answer to yet. And, and we, we touched upon a couple here. For example, the data integration, or the data lineage and the impact analysis integration is, is going to be paramount. And you know we're not entirely done yet uh, there as well. So I don't think that even if we if we GA the direct query for Power BI datasets and Azure Analysis Services feature anytime soon, we're done, right? I think this feature needs to be built more even after a GA. So that that got me very excited, and I think I really think we're we're building this bridge between these two distinctive 
kingdoms, I, I sometimes call them in my community sessions in, in an enterprise. And I'm really excited that we as Power BI have the opportunity to, to enable people to build that bridge between the two kingdoms and finally bring those two worlds together. It's something that we've been talking about forever. I mean, I've, I've been with Microsoft for 12 years and, and the first presentations I gave were about joining and marrying those two worlds together. We mm. call it managed self-service BI at that point in time. And it was honestly, most of it was slideware. And now finally we're getting to the point where we're, we're seeing that happening. And, and that just got me very excited about this opportunity to work, to work on the team. And I think there will be a lot of work ahead of us to really enable this scenario to the fullest extent that we wanted to to have it enabled. But yeah, that that's going to be very exciting in the, in the coming coming months, two years. Very cool. How about you, Tessa? Well, my answer would be a copy of Jay's, but for the sake of your question, I'll choose a different one. <laughs> I would say that I'm also excited about the Azure Maps visual. So I think we mm. preview over this past summer, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just excited to be working with our Azure Maps team and getting to figure out how we can uh, make more progress in this area because we get a lot of feedback on maps and see what other cool stuff we can do. I really like that visual. I've played with it a little myself. Okay. One thing I see it lacking, though, is, is the automatic. You need to have the latitude and longitude to make it work. Yeah, the geocoding. Yeah, it doesn't do the auto geocoding like the built-in one, but it, mm -hmm. it would be everything. if it, Well, you could replace the, the built-in one. Uh, as, there as might, as that there might be some news on that. I, <laughs> we got I we ideas on the <laughs> very, very cool. Well, we really, really appreciate y'all coming and joining us and getting an intro to our audience. And we look forward to at some point in the future having y'all back when I will not make mistakes on the recording buttons and actually get it done right the first time. You'll just, you'll just make the regular mistakes. Correct. Right. Yeah, I, I'm usually the one that makes all the mistakes. So, uh, but this has been awesome. We really appreciate y'all. Happy holidays thank and thank you for the for the Hanukkah present and the early Christmas present of of really cool features. We've been talking to people. It's like we don't know what's coming, but we we're hoping for good presents this year. And uh, I, I would say y'all have definitely delivered. So I'm looking forward to getting to play with it. And uh, for wait, people who are interested in connecting with you, I know that you all look at user voice quite a bit. And you know that's some of the things that we've talked about. Hopefully people, uh, if they find a need for these things and many more, go out to the, uh, it's not user voice anymore, but to uh, you know, go out to ideas.powerbi.com and log those. Is there another way you'd like folks to, to find you? Are you all on Twitter or anything? I'm pretty active on Twitter, so you can find me there as well. And you know, just tag me, and I'll just respond. That's fine. It's one of the one of the various channels. But yes, don't be surprised if I redirect you to ideas.powerbi.com because that's that's essentially. Although I know a lot of the community think that we don't spend enough time looking at it or pay not not enough attention to it, I haven't cleaned it up. I know, but it's still our place where we collect and centrally track all those ideas. Because if we split them all out over Reddit and Twitter, where you know that's where I happen to be. Uh, that just means that, you know, if somebody's not on Twitter or Reddit, doesn't necessarily, they don't necessarily get that information. So for us to force it all, move it all back to ideas.powerbi.com, that's really the place where we can track it centrally. But yeah, any of those social channels will work. Cool. Uh, and you can reach me also on Twitter, but I am slightly less active than Jay on Twitter. People seem to also like to reach out on LinkedIn. So I do check that periodically, but honestly, and I might regret this, 
the best way to reach me is probably email. So <laughs> well, we will put your social channels in the in the blog post notes, but we won't put your email. Uh, you can probably find Tessa out, out there other ways. So but anyway, thank you all very much for doing this. We really appreciate you. Happy holidays. And uh, we're excited to go play. Cool. Happy holidays. Take care, guys. Yeah. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening to the Bifocal Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or via your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at Bifocal Show. The show notes for this and all of the Bifocal Podcasts can be found on the Bifocal.show blog. The music for the Bifocal Podcast is Indie Rock by Scott Holmes and is shared under Creative Commons.